You're listening to the SIL Podcast, perspectives on art and technology with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 63, Digging Words, Zeitgeist, the air we breathe. We have to understand that Zeitgeist of the times. Yes. And then work to shift to a more human zeitgeist, mm -hmm. let's say. And there's always going to be a lot of transition. When you talk about people working on their self-branding of their own egos and so on, that's also transitionary. Yeah. You've got something new. You've never had this power before. And suddenly there's a thousand videos on your cat licking toilet water or <laughs> whatever. But that eventually phases out, I believe. And mm -hmm. people start to see the real power. Sprechen. 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 Zeitgeist. Zeitgeist. Gut. So today we are digging words again. Yeah. And we're digging the word. Get ready for it. It's Z-E-I-T-G-E-I-S-T. -E and the word is? Zeitgeist. Zeitgeist. Not Zeitgeist, as is commonly spoken by a lot of Englishers. Mm -hmm. But the German pronunciation of the word is Zeitgeist. And What does it mean? Well, that's up to you to tell us in your nice German accent. <laughs> so, und, yeah. the word means the spirits of the age, which is to say the dynamics that underpin the uh, facts that unfold during a period of time on the planet or in a certain area. Uh, for example, for example... Mm. The dynamics of the age from the end of the 18th century till about three quarters of the way through the 19th century, you could say was a kind of the underpinnings of the first industrial revolution, starting with, say... The cotton gin. Cotton gin. Eli Whitney, 1794, right. patented. Mm -hmm. Building towards the end of the 18th century when what we know as the real industrial revolution happened. So you have the steam engine giving way eventually to the combustion engine, the bringing in of electricity into society. Oil and steel, urbanization. Urbanization, major changes. You can sort of look at periods of time and talk about the zeitgeist or the mm -hmm. overarching themes. The spirit of the times. Yeah, it could be intellectual themes, could be political or economic themes that, mm -hmm. that kind of inform all of the major events of that period of time. Uh, mainly in kind of uh, European and North American culture, not so much the globe in a way, mm -hmm. although we'll touch on aspects. Western civilization. Yeah, let's put it that way, since we know more about that. About it. We could start with the early Industrial Revolution, 1790s to end of the 19th century, let's say, where you have handmade objects giving way to mass-produced Objects. The big shift occurring around the time of Henry Ford with assembly line manufacturing. Yeah, which is early in the 20th early 1900s. century. Right. Which produced a major change in the way society works and the way labor operated as well. You know? mm -hmm. So the zeitgeist of that latter part of the 19th century would have been one of a kind of hopefulness in a way too, of a future that would be efficient and would provide for everyone. Progress in their terms. So-called progress. So-called. Balanced by child labor, mm -hmm. oppression of that class of workers, 
which eventually leads to the development of unionism in the 20th century. Mm -hmm. So you can say that there are various dynamics of a zeitgeist that kind of overlook a period of time. And there are also balancing factors that are part of that zeitgeist as well that inform the age. On both sides of the fence. Yeah, the positive and the negative. That's the important part as to how things are evolving mm -hmm. and then the sort of counterculture that occurs due yeah. to excesses or things perceived as not being positive. So a good example, if we forward the clock to include 50 years from 1900 to, say, 1950... Right. right, including the two big wars. You've got your wars there, you've got the Great Depression, mm -hmm. you've got the rise of nationalism in a big way, and the disease of nationalism showing itself in these wars, Yes, particularly. And balancing that, in the world of art, you have Dada and Surrealism, Futurism, the Rite of Spring causing riots in Paris, Cabaret, Berlin, Cabaret in Berlin, outrageous artistic activity. All counterculture. Counterculture, defiant in the face of the status quo, mm -hmm. a real statement against war and the underpinnings of war and, and the rationalism that held sway at the time to rationalize going to war. Again, natural balances that occur whenever there's a systemic excess. Yeah. Or at least a perceived systemic excess. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Between the wars, you had all this experimentation. You had Gertrude Stein and her salon in uh, Paris, and she was entertaining Matisse and Picasso mm -hmm. and all of these incredible artists, and it was a fertile bed. The cabarets in Berlin were fertile grounds for outrageous stage acts, etc. And they had no idea that all of that would come to an end when Hitler came to power and deemed it all kind of decadent art. Mm -hmm. One of the main nationalistic risings of the century. The Nazism, mm -hmm. yeah, the rise of right-wing ideology, mm -hmm. which is sort of echoed in Closer to Our Times, which we'll get to. <laughs> so the zeitgeist of nationalism leading to a kind of fascistic way of thinking about the world and politics and ideology, etc., mm -hmm. really overshadowed the first half century. But it directly correlates to the tremendous shift from a rural to urban society. Mm -hmm. Well, where people were packed together, there were, especially after the war, when people were in a celebratory mood, the swing band era was mm -hmm. really an upbeat, positive, hopeful sign. Which led to the 50s. Into the 50s, the sort of naive, hopeful mom and pop and the nuclear family. Mm, suburbia. Cocktails at home. After White you know, picket fence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Two kids in a garage, etc. At the same time, here's the balance. At the same time, real war led to virtual war. Mm -hmm. The Cold War. The Cold War. Which is a virtual war. Mm -hmm. Again, an echo of where we are now. Yes. A virtual reality standing in for an actual physical thing. And the first realization that we could become extinct with the employment of nuclear power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, nuclear energy really comes into its own in the later 60s. Right. But I'm talking uh, about the creation of the... Well, the bomb. The bomb. Well, yeah. Well, the bomb, having been dropped, turned America instantly into a world empire. Mm -hmm. Really too soon. 
really, it was too young a nation to be given that mantle. And as we've seen, its empire has been decaying gradually ever since, and more rapidly recently. <laughs> or at least that's our you know. opinion here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have the 50s and that sort of naive optimism, if you like. Rock and roll comes in, mm. really kind of upbeat. So the blues become rock and roll. But rock and roll is also the harbinger to what's going to occur in a few years, which is a more rebel-like creation, yeah. which is the teens for the first time feeling empowered, feeling separate mm -hmm. from their parents. getting into the 60s now mm -hmm. and if there's one word that could be the name for the zeitgeist mm -hmm. of the 60s it's confrontation young people standing up and saying we may be young but we have a voice mm -hmm. and we don't like what's going on here in vietnam and kent state all of those things there were mm -hmm. protests they took drugs they talked about free love and breaking the rules of their parents um, Rock concerts took on a whole new life. Yeah. Woodstock. It, it was really confronting the status quo, mm -hmm. big time. And then in terms of other areas, the Bay of Pigs happened in the early 60s. So 61. confrontation, nuclear confrontation brought to the edge. A lot of people thought that that was it. And then in America in particular, race riots, mm -hmm. the police Detroit, LA. coming down hard on the black communities that mm -hmm. are rising up for their freedoms and to be treated equally. Along with segregation issues in the South. All of those things coming to a head. So confrontation, mm -hmm. the 60s, big time confrontation. And then we get into the 1970s. Oil embargo, the Israeli wars. Nixon resigns. Nixon resigns, Watergate. Yeah. So what can we say about the zeitgeist of the 70s? What would be some words that would be the words of the decade? What do you think? A new reality. Okay. Based upon? Based upon what's transpired in the 50s and 60s. We went from this feeling of omnipotence, uh, improving our lives, to confrontation, and now there's this kind of settling period and reality check. The oil embargo hits. Mm -hmm. We are actually at the mercy of other countries, i.e. the U.S. now realizes that oil and, and fuel and energy takes on a whole new level of concern. Well, it's a new battleground. And one of the byproducts of that battleground is, in the 70s, the rise of terrorist cells. The Red Brigade in yep. Italy, yes. Biden-Meinhof gang in Germany. The assassination of, of Aldo Moro in, in Italy. Aldo Moro. The Red Brigade, as you mentioned. 1972, the Munich Games, the Olympic Games. Yeah, the assassination of the athletes. Yeah, the hijackings of airplanes happening in the 70s begin then. Things really. begin to really heighten. Tensions between Israel and Palestine begin to really increase. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, you've got the whole oil situation happening. The end of that decade, you've got the Russians invading Afghanistan. Yep. You've got the Iran crisis. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now we get into the 80s, mm -hmm. and digital starts to emerge with the tech giants. Sure, and cassettes give way to Walkmans, and Walkmans are beginning to give way to CDs. Mm -hmm. Steve Jobs and the rise of Apple. And Bill Gates, roughly at the same time, although they begin as young men in the mid-70s in their garages. By the time the late 70s, early 80s come into play, they're pretty significant. Mm -hmm. And the and, rise of these corporate industries that are also beginning to explore things on a much larger scale and the whole concept of computers and homes 
Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting about this too is that through all of these periods of time that we've talked about in the last 10 minutes or so, mm -hmm. the whole notion of market economies flows through that. So from the Industrial Revolution on, the requirement after mass production is mass need. And you have to create mass need right. to a degree because exactly. people don't know that they quote unquote want this or need this until you let them know through marketing and everything. Yeah, and it's the first time really that we begin to see the process of creating demand where there isn't any. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, uh, what is his name? Peter Joseph? Peter Joseph. Peter Joseph. He's the leader of the Zeitgeist Movement, and he wrote a book called... The New Human Rights Movement. Right. And he makes a lot of sense in what he says about capitalism and how it really needs to come to an end or be radically restructured to move from competitive towards cooperative, towards community building rather mm -hmm. than dividing communities, away from marketing and advertising and creating false need. Mm-hmm. We can play a clip right now on BoxBox Box that features Peter Joseph. Brilliant. Let's do that. BoxBox. Box. So, what's your story? My name is Peter Joseph. I'm the founder of a social sustainability organization called the Zeitgeist Movement, which in form has about a thousand chapters across 70 countries. And basically, we're all working together to try to bridge some differences about economic problems that are working its way across the world, social destabilization, unemployment, debt crisis, environmental destabilization. And this community is attempting to bring new sustainable ideas to the forefront to basically revolutionize economy as we know it, hence revolutionize human values as we know it, so we can try to create a new way of life. And it's a grassroots movement with that basic premise. The bankers are a consequence. The bankers are there. The financial interests are at the helm, what I call the ownership and investment class. They are a natural outgrowth of the basic premise of what the market economy basically is. And they are in control. They are there. But we have to remember that it's not the they as a causal point. It's not they as some manifestation that comes out of nowhere that suddenly, like, like God or aliens, they're suddenly in a hold of everything. No, they are products of the system. They're victims of the culture that's been created by the model of economics that we have. So if you want to change the they, we don't pose blame upon them per se. We look at what supports their values, and we figure out that, yes, the system has to go before we can pose any form of blame on the individual. As far as I'm concerned, there's no blame to be made on any individual for any reason, because we're all victimizations. We're all victim consequences of the culture we're born into. Box, box. Peter Joseph, the Zeitgeist movement. So now we're, we're getting into the 90s at this point. Right. The 90s. Would you say that's the internet age, really? The beginnings, the major beginnings, beginnings of it? The serious beginnings. Even though we had earlier things occurring, Netscape comes into play. The first major web browser. Yeah. The reality of the internet comes clearer. AOL. AOL and all these companies that some of which no longer exist, but moved over into other areas. And then, of course, in the late 90s, you've got Google coming in mm -hmm. and then the constant development of technologies. And of course, Apple, we know all about Apple and iPods and iPhones and so on. Well, the miniaturization has yes. really ramped up in the 90s. It already began. In the yeah, it began in the 60s, i.e. Sure. with the Japanese and the transistor radio. But the whole idea of getting things into very small packages begins to change the entire technological landscape. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about 
about certain graphic interfaces that were in Yeah, the GUI. Back in the late 80s, early 90s, the whole concept of changing text on computers to GUIs, which means graphical user interface, yeah. meaning the use of icons and so on, and being able to make things a lot more user-friendly. Yeah. And the whole idea of developing computers in this way so that people in their own homes could now tap into this tremendous technology, which as we know today, where it's going or where it's been. Yeah. And out of that, the notion of globalization really starts to emerge as a genuine possibility for people. Yes. Now I can talk to someone from Russia mm -hmm. on my computer immediately back in them, those days. Suddenly the world is smaller. Yes. And the world is, you can see it as a kind of community, which is a positive, hopeful thought form, mm -hmm. right? Leading the way into the new century. Balancing that was the anxiety of Y2K at the end of the millennium. Which proved to be... Not a big thing mm -hmm. at all. But at the time, yes, a, a lot concern. of people were really worried. There was a great anxiety in the air, mm -hmm. as I recall, giving us pause mm -hmm. about the whole notion of the interrelatedness of technology around the world. And then the turn of the century happens, and now an event that marks a brand new zeitgeist. 9-11. 9-11 hits in. Major, major, in German you'd say, punkt. Suddenly that globalization, which can only be possible through cooperation and trust, mm -hmm. etc., changes overnight to paranoia and mistrust Mm -hmm. And now suddenly the person you're talking to on the other side of the globe could very well be hacking your computer. So you better be careful. You don't know who they are. These people coming across the border from Mexico, we don't know who they are. They speak a different language. Can I trust my business associate mm -hmm. to not stab me in the back? Suddenly mm -hmm. trust mm -hmm. becomes a major issue. So I would say that zeitgeist after 9-11 turned into paranoia and fear and mistrust all under the uh, auspices of security, mm -hmm. enhanced security. And we're still in that place mm -hmm. where we don't know if it's false news. We don't know if they're hacking us. Mm -hmm. Who are you? We know we don't know you. At least that's what we're being told. And yeah. essentially what, what's happening now is we're being brought back. We're moving forward on the calendar, but we're being brought back in terms of let's re-examine what got us here and let's remember what we started with. Yeah. For example, what children are taught, what you were taught in kindergarten about sharing, about being nice to the other children, mm -hmm. all these very simple ideas yeah. are really the things that are required to gain back in order for us to move forward and preserve things and improve things. Yeah. So education on the one hand, educating children, and on the other hand, as Joseph suggests, larger activist movements tackling the big structural issues, not just little isolated fires that they're trying to put out mm -hmm. sort of thing. Well, he even suggests that even activism has very limited capability because activism only works when we're all together on it. As long as we continue to do things in small groups. Yeah then it's easy for the powers that be to take them apart. Sure. And, the, and, and there's no sustained momentum. And the internet age has tended to individualize and kind of silo eyes 
us as individuals, and we're busy in front of our computers in our little offices, mm -hmm. trying to make statements to the world, create videos, brand ourselves as mm -hmm. individuals. They're saying, you know, my own brand, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. When what's needed is real connection, right. real community, and then real action that results in a better world. Yes. But in order to do that, we have to understand the zeitgeist of the times. Yes. And then work to shift to a more human zeitgeist, mm -hmm. let's say. And there's always going to be a lot of transition. When you talk about people working on their self-branding or their own egos and so on, that's also transitionary. Yeah. You've got something new. You've never had this power before. And suddenly there's a thousand videos on your cat licking toilet water or <laughs> whatever. But that eventually phases out, I believe. And people mm -hmm. start to see the real power. And I think that we're seeing responses to the contrary as well with corporations and institutions. They're having to get very creative, finding ways to counter this because those on top, I think, would see the strength that could come from a unified populace. Well, the real question is, will it have to lead to violence? Because this whole 18 years from the mm. beginning of the century, given that the zeitgeist is all about paranoia and fear and mistrust, what has that led to? It's led to the rise of the right, the extreme right. Populism. And populism and the Trumps and the Doug Fords and these people in France and elsewhere, mm -hmm. right? All of that has led to what we've seen in politics yes. because large members of the population are not educated enough. Exactly. Sorry, folks, you supporters of Trump and Doug, but you're not educated enough. You're not thinking deeply enough and you're taking platitudes and simple slogans as somehow being wisdom. Right. But that goes for both sides. I wouldn't argue that just for the right. The left has to reconsider their position too. You have to work together. So the education process works for both sides. But I do agree with you that there's a, a lack of fact, information, and education that allows people to become mm -hmm. fanatical and extremist. Right. Because it's much easier to whitewash things than it is to delve into them and understand them. Right. Yeah. To me, that's also part of the process because without your Fords and your Trumps, you wouldn't have a lot of what's occurring, which is very, very positive. For the first time, maybe in a long time, people are seriously looking at things and not just being complacent about it because now they're confronting these realities. The question is, can we get over the polarization that seems to emerge whenever people engage in dialogue? Well, I think that's paramount to negotiating. That's my own belief. I believe that both sides have to open up to each other. Which and means which, which means getting over the zeitgeist, yes. the, the paranoia and the fear and the mistrust. that Create that, a new that, zeitgeist. That, yeah, that the powers that be tell us we should be thinking. Mm -hmm. So to say, you know, screw you, we're not going to think that way. We're going to think differently. Exactly. Right? And exactly. create a new zeitgeist yes. for the next 20, 30 yes. years. Now, yes. we won't be around to, to see that zeitgeist in action, maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not. Point, I, I don't know. I choose to remain optimistic. There's a lot of people that will argue. Many people, even who believe the change will occur, many people are of the opinion that something drastic will happen first. In other words, We've reached a level where it won't be a nice, easy, smooth transition where people just suddenly wake up and say, let's work together, let's be nice. Yeah. It'll be more of an event or a catastrophic event or something which will either create that platform mm -hmm. or force us 
to create something new. Right. So listen, all of this talk mm. we've had today, it's really mm. fabulous. This is a really interesting thing. And it's because of that word. That word zeitgeist is so interesting because mm-hmm. to use it and think about it challenges us yes. to get to gain a perspective on history, mm-hmm. on the times we have lived through and the times we're living in now, so that we can kind of see beyond exactly. the, the petty day-to-day things yes. and look at how we as a humanity... Deepen our understanding. ...are moving, yeah, yeah. to deepen yeah. that understanding and, yeah. and to act and think out of that wise depth mm-hmm. of understanding. And in a non-punitive way. Stop digging at each other and start... And start digging words. And start digging words. <laughs> digging words. Mm-hmm. We really would like to hear more. From our listeners. Yeah, we want your words, folks. Mm-hmm. We want you to, to pipe in mm-hmm. and tell us what you think. Tell us what you feel. And uh, we've made it really easy for you, apart from standard messaging and email. You click a button on our website at thesillpodcast.com and you can leave a voice message. Yeah. Whether it's, uh, I love your show or whether it's, I killed the zeitgeist. Yeah, exactly. Whatever you want to say is all good. All good. And so let's uh, carry on the carry on. The Sill Podcast, Perspectives on Art and Technology, is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com. <laughs>